Welcome to the Tech Talks podcast, helping you turn adversity into victory. Whether you're an entrepreneur, corporate professional, or stay-at-home parent, the Tech Talks podcast provides relevant advice and inspiration as you navigate your career, calling, and daily life. Let's get started with your host, Matt Tech. Today, we jump on a call with my buddy Clint Fix. Clint Fix is a personal branding expert in Colorado and lives out there with his wife and beautiful children. I met Clint, as we'll discover during the conversation, a couple of years ago. Clint was a speaker on the national stage for a company that I belonged to back then. And my wife and I just remember taking away a lot out of some of the talks that him and his wife would give on stage, some of the audios that they would put out, business, self-development, personal branding. And we remember receiving a lot from them. And we just stayed in touch over the years. And seeing what he's done from afar from a personal branding point of view has been pretty amazing. So in conversation, we thought, hey, during this coronavirus pandemic, people are home. People probably want to make the most out of their careers, or even maybe they have to pivot to finding something else, or maybe they have to change what they're doing to stay successful. Clint helps people do that. So we're going to give you guys some nuggets today. The conversation that happened between the two of us was pretty amazing, and I hope you guys get something out of this. Let's rock and roll. Well, first of all, how long have we known each other now? I feel like the first time we actually met and talked was at that St. Louis major. And remember, we talked outside of it. Um, oh, yeah, because we were by the we were by Bush Stadium, and we went to that that fudge we place. Right yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. So I feel like that's the first place. time we ever really like started actually talking, like we'd actually met each other in person. That's right. So that would have been May. That was the last, second to last major I went to. So it would have been May of 2018. Dang, two years now. Time flies. Wow, it does. It does fly. <laughs> Time flies. Well, I know you, but for some folks that are listening, they might not know you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Good place to start. Uh, <laughs> that, uh, so, so I'm married. I uh, have a beautiful wife. We've been married eight years. Her name's Caitlin. few kids. A three to be exact on that one, one and a half to seven, growing like weeds as kids do. Live out in Colorado, Western Colorado. A lot of people when they think of Colorado think of Denver or Colorado Springs or their Force Academy's at. But uh, over in Western Colorado, it looks a lot like Utah because we're close to it. Mm-hmm. Red Rocks and all of that, and um, really just uh, you know, joy life. Had a very winding, random career up to this point <laughs> <laughs> in my early thirties. Oh, we'll ask uh, you about that. Very widening career, but uh, yeah, that's that's me in a nutshell. Now, the reason I had you on, first of all, thank you for being on the podcast. But the reason I wanted to have you on is because, you know, over the years, especially during during the time before we actually met in person, I had listened to a lot of your audio. So you were on a speaking circuit for a company back then, and you did some amazing, amazing talks that my wife and I had on repeat on digital and on CD. And one that actually really, really stood out to me still to this day 
was the story of, I forget which war it was, but you told the story about that general who told everybody to fix their bayonets after they were running out of ammunition and totally changed the course. It was in that book, The Butterfly Effect by Andy Andrews. Um, but when right. you use that story, man, that that CD was on repeat almost to the point where I think the laser would have sliced the CD in half <laughs> by then. But since then, you and I have stayed in touch and watching watching what you're doing from afar has been pretty astounding. So you're a you're a personal branding strategist, a personal branding expert. But so for those who don't know, what exactly is a personal branding strategist and what do you do? So personal branding strategist is I teach people, particularly my niche, I guess you could say, or niche, depending on who you're talking to, <laughs> how to pronounce that. Niche. Um, yeah, is I help sales pros, uh, sales professionals, uh, solo entrepreneurs craft a personal brand. And what that means is I help them grow their influence and become an influencer in their space on social media and really grow their social capital so that they can build a lot of relationships, grow their network, and eventually drive that into uh, you know business with themselves or, or monetize that in different ways. Basically creating a never-ending lead source simply because they went out there and served and, and added a lot of value to a lot of people. Hmm. I just teach people how to do that a little bit systematically on social media, particularly on Facebook. And there's reasons I focus on Facebook, but yeah. How did you, how did you get into personal branding? A little bit of a winding path, I should say. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's hear it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm thinking of where to start. So I got started, I guess what originally even got me thinking about it or caring about it was when I got into the MLM space, which it was actually discouraged for a super long time. I got involved in the space back in 2007. And of course, at that point, nobody was even really thinking about much online. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Social media was still new. Facebook was still kind of restricted in certain ways at that time. But I had started building a business and I actually had some success there. I remember in 2017, uh, at the end of that year, I was filing my taxes and I put over 50,000 miles on my car for my business that Jeez. year. And, and I remember thinking like, this is not an at-home business. And also around that time is I was showing a lot of people what I was doing, you know, of course, in network marketing, MLM was, was trying to recruit some people. And oftentimes they were actually the people I was looking for. They were looking, they wanted something different, but I would see them consistently tell me no, and then go do something that they could do online. And from the outside looking in, a lot of the things I'd seen online just didn't attract me at all. Like it was really spammy. It was, it was annoying. And I was like, man, I don't want to be that person. And by that point I was told that you couldn't really do anything online anyway. And so I decided after I kind of filed my taxes, realized how much time I was spending in the car driving everywhere, realizing how few people were going to do that. And and mm-hmm. also at that point, seeing people doing, trying online without training, like they were just doing whatever they they thought they should do and mm-hmm. it didn't work. And I was the same person. Anytime I did use any sort of social media at that point, it was just like turning it into a billboard. Yeah. And so I decided to go dive into it myself and I didn't know the concept of personal branding that I wouldn't even known to search that. Um, so I just started searching social media training, social media for network marketing, everything I could find. 
and ended up buying all sorts of courses. I remember going through a course from Eric Worre. It was, in fact, it was an eight hour long webinar with like 15 different social media people speaking on. And they all had totally different ideas of how to do it. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, even then it was still uh, a lot of different people trying things out, trying to figure out how to do it. And so I started trying social media and I was discouraged from a lot of my peers and basically got shut down on it. And interestingly, I ended up on this, this is kind of a weird story, but I ended up on a Zoom with uh, some peers, uh, you know, trying to discuss whether this is something we want to do, learn about it, kind of dip our toe in the water a little bit. Mm-hmm. And a colleague of mine invited on a person at the time named Justin Prince, and I knew nothing about him. I'd never heard of him. And uh, he, after I did some research into him, pretty impressive dude, but he basically shared some concepts with me and this idea of personal branding. And it, it kind of blew my mind a little bit. And I was like, man, this is, this is what I want to do. And I really wanted to start doing it. Uh, but the, the feeling I got from my peers at the time was basically like, nope, we're not doing it. Um, hmm. And so I decided to make a huge pivot uh, in mid-2018. And uh, Kate and I walked away from everything we had basically because I I was so convinced at this point that we had I had to figure out how to do it online and I needed the space and the room to be able to do that um, and the ability to to experiment and and just kind of not have people trying to hold me back to it, regardless I mean there's there's different different strokes for different folks but for me I wanted to go the online work way mm-hmm. and I didn't want to be restricted by what used to work um, or worked back in the day I wanted to to be in a space where I could create and and figure out what I want to do going forward. And so we made a huge pivot and later that year in 2018 really started learning and, and implementing what I'd learned about personal branding. And interestingly, I was first doing it for myself and for, for my business. And then of course, as I was, you know, still in that related world of network marketing, started teaching my team, these principles and the people I was working with and saw uh, a lot of success from that. And then how I ended up actually teaching it beyond just my own organization was when I, locally in Grand Junction, Colorado, I started having people that were in related industries and also in network marketing. So I had people in network marketing, but I had photographers. I had some people in real estate, a couple insurance people start asking me how to leverage Facebook uh, to to build their business. And so I started teaching it just kind of, you know, for free to friends. Uh, in other industries. And then I was told by a, uh, a business coach, actually in a BNI group here, a business networking group to run a workshop and charge people for it. And I was like, okay. So as I was getting ready for that, I realized I needed some sort of curriculum. So I ended up writing an ebook that was over 30 some odd pages long <laughs> by the time I was done. Cause I'm a system systems type guy and uh, built that and then ran that workshop and got uh, a lot of great feedback from it. And then from there, just a whole bunch of people locally started referring me to others as well as I taught some of it through a couple of Facebook lives, uh, just little fragments of it and had a lot of people asking on there. So started teaching it both one-on-one. I've done a lot of one-on-one coaching and am now doing a big zoom masterclass actually in the middle of it right now that I'm recording and going to polish package up and put together for a digital course for, for everybody. Cause I only got so much time. So that's kind of the the hopefully short story of how I ended up in personal branding. I have a question. So you mentioned that when you were exploring this online option, you took it to the company that you were with and you were discouraged by your peers. Now, 
we don't have to get into the nitty gritty of that, but I feel like I should ask maybe some reasons why it was discouraged because maybe somebody listening is not utilizing social media because they have a preconceived notion much as the same that you may have experienced in that meeting. Why, based on what you were bringing to the table, why was it initially discouraged? So I'm going to put one reason on why the way I approached it probably caused the discouragement Mm -hmm. and then from the other side uh, as well. So I I think it was discouraged both because of how I brought it to them and also because of the idea itself. So Mm -hmm. um, first is that the way I brought it um, was kind of like hinting at it and kind of like, well, we'll get there. We'll get there eventually. We'll get there eventually. Um, I'm kind of a, I'm an early adopter kind of person. I just love trying new things. I've always been that way with technology and and so i just sort of did it anyway with my group and just started teaching it in general right just like well, i'm not going to wait for permission i'll ask for forgiveness <laughs> and so that probably built some walls originally m- myself just going about it that way sure um i i don't regret doing it that way honestly though um because um for this other reason i don't believe it would have changed anyways um and that is that the perception unfortunately when it comes to social media and particularly at the time uh, when it came to social media specifically in network marketing is that all you saw from the outside was a whole lot of people with fil- with these super emoji filled posts mm-hmm. on facebook just like i got five spots open in my team join me now or i need product testers mm-hmm. and it just very overt posts on social media or a lot of cold messaging in messenger and that was from the outside, that's what you saw, but that wasn't what I was trying to create, nor uh, was that the, the path I was wanting to go down at all. Um, it was just from the outside, that's what it looked like. And also from the outside, it looks like you can't, it, that, that it's just a, a, a get rich quick thing like, oh, you could, and they would even make fun of it. And they did for years, which was, you know, you can't, there's no way you could build a real business from home in your pajamas. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no way that you can make real um, relationships, uh, online. Isn't that funny that they said that now, or they said that then, but now that's what everybody's doing. They're working, they're working in their pajamas and using technology to either cultivate new relationships, uh, rekindle old ones or start, start new ones. Yeah, it's, it's totally crazy. And there's a, there's a lot of cognitive dissonance in it in general. And, uh, and it's so funny because they, they said that, uh, and a lot of people still hold this, that you can't build real relationships online. And I'm just kind of like, man, one of the main ways that people meet and get married today is starts online. Mm-hmm. Like we don't have to keep everything online, but it's a great first step. It's a great way to connect with people. It's a great way to find the people that that are a fit for us, whether it be business or a brand or whatever we're trying to promote. Mm-hmm. And to say that we can't make those connections and actually build a real relationship uh, using technology, I think is is just uh, a really, it, it's becoming a belief that's, that's really hard to back up other than just kind of blindly accepting that, uh, that statement. And so, and, and these days, especially there's a lot of people that make a lot of money from home on their computers. It's a very mm-hmm. real thing. It's a very possible thing. And, you know, 20 years ago, that might not have been the case. Uh, but, but it is very possible today. Um, and, and, and also it's, it's not a, the other thing is I think a lot of times during that time, especially that I think also creates some of those walls for, for a lot of people that come from the traditional MLM space is that they see it 
and I mentioned this a little bit ago that it seems like a get rich quick or just, it's the easy route. It's the Mm -hmm. shortcut. And I even might've bought into that a little bit. Like it's a shortcut. It's easier. Um, I don't believe it's easier. In fact, um, I believe it's just as hard as building offline and takes just as much effort. It's just a different kind of effort, right? Instead of spending three hours a day on the road to go get no-showed at a, at a coffee shop or hmm. go do meetings in hotel rooms, you know, now I'm, I'm on social media and I have to come up with great content. I have to, and here's the big one, I spend the bulk of my time when I'm on social media and I'm, I'm building my business, the bulk of my time is spent actually engaging with real people in Messenger. Mm-hmm. And, and, th- and, and the reason that everybody uh, that holds that belief that it's the, the, they think it's just a shortcut that doesn't work is, is that they don't see all the work behind the scenes because it's private. Like it's not outward on social media, it's in messenger. So, you know, I'm constantly in messenger, getting to know people, adding value to people, um, you know, just being a friend to people and caring about people. I'm not pitching them. I'm not going in with an agenda, but I'm building relationships. Mm -hmm. And that happens uh, in private conversation. And that's something you just don't see from the outside. So there's also, they only see the tip of the iceberg, which is the content that's posted. Um, and they don't, and, and they think that that's, that they're just gonna, there's no way you could build a business off of that. Well, true. If you're missing all of the rest of it, right. um, this posting isn't going to work. Right. I think what, what people are finding today is that relationships are more about the words that you speak instead of necessarily the miles that you drive. Because what I'm finding, at least in my life, Currently, I've been home as of this recording for a month now from work, and we've made a point to schedule virtual coffee dates with friends. We've reached out and connected to people that we haven't spoken with in years, and you know, you and I stay in touch digitally. You and I stay in touch on Facebook. We, don't, we haven't seen each other since that day that you just talked about, I think, in St. Louis, yep. but... Over the years, we've we've remained in touch via via social media. We talk almost exclusively using the voice feature in Messenger, but our relationship has gotten closer over the For years, sure. even though we've been further apart. For sure, I and I agree one hundred percent with that. It was so interesting. You know, one of the people that was the uh, that pushed back the hardest on being able to build relationships uh, virtually was somebody that was probably the closest person in my life, but mm. for pretty much our entire relationship lived on the other side of the country. Yeah. And so we had built a lot of our, our relationship through phone calls and Zooms and just maybe seeing each other in person a couple times a year. And, and it was one of the strongest relationships we had. So it was, it, it was really interesting, you know, as I sat back and thought about that, like, man, we built a pretty good relationship for not, uh, not having seen each other face to face a whole lot in our entire relationship. Yeah. And when you relate that back to sales, so I'm in sales, you, you coach salespeople. I was, I was fortunately one of the beneficiaries of when you were doing it for free. So I, I appreciate that, <laughs> which ultimately led to this podcast because you're actually the one, if folks listen a couple episodes ago, they hear me mention that the reason this podcast even exists is because somebody challenged me to a 30 day Facebook live challenge, which meant I had to go live on Facebook every day for 30 days. And that was you by intro, by introducing a, a course to me. So Clint fix is basically the reason that tech talks exists. Success story. You got at least one, Clint. I don't know how much of of a splash it's going to make, but you've got (laughs) at least one. Um, But in sales, so I'm a salesperson, you know, for a hotel company, feet on the ground. 
And what I'm finding over here, the reason that my career has actually been as successful as it has been is because I don't build my client relationships on meeting in person. I make it a point to do tons of research ahead of time. I make it a point to stay in regular communication with them, not even talking business. So actually at work, I just have a lot of friends that I happen to do business with, not a lot of business partners, and I'm friends with a couple of them. Does that make sense? Oh, amen. That makes sense. Basically what you're doing is you are helping people get their unique personalities in front of as many people want to listen. Now I have a question. So right now it's kind of tough to build to build a personal brand, which is why people like you exist. It's not a natural thing that happens. But do you think it's tough because we had those those kind of pitchy, you know, those MLM spam tactics in the past? Yeah, I, I, I do believe that's made it more difficult. Um, and I think that's also why people need correct direction more than ever now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of why that part of my business, I never intended to actually teach this mm-hmm. um, outside of my business, but I, I fell in love with teaching it. And ultimately, because I wish I had been taught it earlier. And I think now's a, I mean, obviously the best time to plant a tree was, you know, 50 years ago. Second best time is now. Same sort of thing with this. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, and online in general, I believe right now is more important than ever, not just because of in the midst of when we're recording this, we're in a pandemic and all stuck at home. I, just in general, I think it's more important now to build uh, an online presence than ever because those that that maybe had a lot of influence before social media took off um, are finding their influence a lot of times waning, mm-hmm. while people that may not even have the same level of results have far more of an audience and are therefore making a bigger impact mm-hmm. uh, than even past people. So the ones that you've seen pivot have done extremely well uh, into the online world, but there's a lot that are holding out and they're falling in their influence because they're not being seen. See, you can try all day long to try and get people to come to where you're at, or you could go to where they're at. Right. And right now, a lot of people's eyeballs are on social media or, or, or their ears are on podcasts. Mm-hmm. And to not be there is, is just kind of like not showing up and they'll, and, and people will find other people in those spaces uh, to, to fill that gap. And so I believe right now building a personal brand is is more important than ever. But yes, to directly answer your question, I believe there is some resistance to it because of some of those spam tactics. But keep in mind that in the general overall population, they've ran into that, but it's not incessant. We might have seen more of it because of our proximity to it. Right. Um, but uh, I, a lot of people uh, aren't, haven't experienced that or have only experienced it in very small pockets. And so gotcha. um, I, I, I do believe, you know, there's still a lot of potential there to, to go. And, and here's the thing, if you go add value, uh, there's, there's, uh, there's an unlimited market for people that want uh, their lives to be better. And, mm-hmm. and if we go in there and we add value and continue to add value and continue to show up and continue to, um, you know, lift people up, inspire them or educate them or entertain them, hopefully all three, um, you know, that I believe that market's unlimited. That's awesome. So I mentioned that tech talks kind of indirectly exist because of Clint Fix. If you've been doing this for a while, you wrote an ebook, you built a course, you've been doing workshops, webinars, teaching people. What are some success stories that you've heard back from some of the people that are learning from you? 
Yeah, so I'll, I'll do a couple that I that I know much more closely their story and also have had the time to really build it because this isn't something you just overnight you implement and all of a sudden everything changes. Like it takes a while to build up an audience. But I'll give a couple uh, that I started teaching early on, and they, I'll give you two. Uh, one from somebody that actually had been leveraging social media for their business, but was taught the wrong way to do it. And her name's Lori. Uh, she's an amazing woman. She had built a large business in one of those network marketing businesses where you basically just use those emoji field posts. Like you post like 10 times a day. It's like just, boom, you just nail it. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and you know, they were wrapping things and <laughs> I'm not going to tell you the name of the company. But anyway, she had built a large business with that, but it, but it fell once that that method really stopped working, which it didn't work for very long, maybe a year, 18 months. Sure. And yeah, people uh, get numb to it. Yeah. And, and once you get a few people in an area that do that same thing, uh, it saturates, it feels saturated very quickly on social media. And then people just quit to, they just tune all the posts out and they don't get any engagement. Mm-hmm. And, that, and, and, and a bunch of companies that did that are, they just doubled down on it. They're like, we'll just post more and start cold messaging. And it's not the right approach because they're seeking to extract value rather than add it. Mm-hmm. Well, anyways, um, you know, she had kind of got disheartened from it and just stopped. Now she had built a business to the point where she was making about 20 grand a month. So wow. she had, she had built a large business and it, and it had, had paid off her mortgage, did all that stuff with it, but then it quit working and she was looking for something different. And she, even though she had a lot of followers, she, uh, she, she wasn't getting engagement. So just in a very short amount of time by, by pivoting the type of content that she puts out and the way that she does promote, if she is going to do a post that promotes, um, radically changed. And, and now she's building a brand that is growing her influence and growing her social capital over time rather than, than cashing it all in mm-hmm. uh, for, for a quick buck. And, and she's seeing uh, vastly improved from that. She's building a sustainable business and uh, continually, if she any post that she does that does create curiosity about our products and services gets more and more engagement now over time versus less and less. And uh, her her brand is really interesting, by the way. She's more of kind of a lifestyle brand, very hard to pin down, but she's hilarious. She's got that kind of personality that people just like hearing about her life because mm-hmm. of the way that she tells the story. It's yeah. just it's she's so she has an entertainment style brand. Another friend of mine, she came from the other side, very similar to me which was she was a part of a company that basically was like, no, social media doesn't work. Um, don't use it. But yet everybody in their company still used it. They just didn't know how to use it because they told them it didn't work. And so, but they would try it anyway. And it was just turned their kind of into a billboard. They didn't really know what they were doing. There was not any strategy at all. It was just kind of all over the place um, and typically was paired with a lot of hype. Um, so if you did get in a messenger, they would just try and bring it up right away. It was like the whole old three foot rule, but in social media, like, Ooh, mm-hmm. somebody's talking to me, let me pitch them. And, uh, and she came from that side. And again, her engagement just got to where she had nothing. She could post something and just nothing. Uh, nobody would listen. Um, you know, blowing out friends that hold NFL, right? No friends league <laughs> uh, or no friends left, right? Depending on how it went, right? Just kind of the annoying social marketer, you know, yeah. social net, uh, network marketer and turned it around. And now when she posts like her organic or her, um, her unique posts and stuff that she, she builds herself do really well. And she's got people that now are reaching out to her and she can do again, do posts that are curiosity uh, creating for her product or service without being oh. spammy and get a lot of leads from it. So those are just a couple examples. I have a lot of those within my own organization. Those two are, as well as um, 
you know, some people that have started implementing this in other, other careers. I've seen some photographers and a physical therapist that I've worked with start doing well. The physical therapist was really interesting. Uh, very, uh, very niche area of physical therapy. So she's a physical therapist for women's pelvic floor issues, <laughs> which I'm not going to try and speak about here, but, um, you know, it's a, it's a super common problem. It's also one that's very hard to talk about. Also one that's very difficult to build a brand on because it's not like a lot of women want to publicly comment on her stuff. Um, huh. that, that dealing with I that. Can imagine. She's, built, she's built private groups with it. She has been very public about it and, and is actually using that to move into selling uh, very high end courses. So mm. women can fix this issue at home because she just can't see them all in her clinic. So, um, that's another wow. example, I guess, outside of the network marketing world. That's crazy. Now you're, you're talking about just, just people that have everyday careers here. You're not talking about folks that, you know, got a deal on Shark Tank. You're not talking about folks that, you know, they didn't invent Facebook or Microsoft. These are, <laughs> you're talking about everyday people are the folks that you're coaching. So right That's now, right. at the time of this recording, there are 22 million people that lost their jobs, myself included. And whether this is a time where people's mindsets are different. You use the word pivot. I think pivot is going to be the word of the year for 2020. Oh yeah. So we are, we're in an economic pivot that's, that's happening right now in a ton of different industries. So for the everyday person listening, whether they have lost their job, whether they're looking for a new career, they want to advance their current one, maybe, maybe they want to use this opportunity to actually get closer to their dream job or start a business, uh, cough, launch a podcast, and cough, whatever, yeah. whatever they want to do, what are, some, what are some practical things that they can do to take advantage of this, of this economic pivot that's happening right now? Great question. Um, <clears throat> the first thing is I think you have to have your mindset right on how to handle it. You know, whether we're going to a recession, depression, however you want to think about this, or whether we're going to bounce right back from it, one thing that's not debatable, I don't believe, is that there was post-coronavirus, or there was pre-coronavirus, and there's post-coronavirus, and it's not going to be the same. Mm -hmm. Just like our country was pre-9-11 and post-9-11, it wasn't the same. And I think this is going to be the case going forward here. I think some things will snap back, and some things will become a new normal. Um, that didn't exist before. And as we go into, and, and as we're in the midst of these uncertain times, I think first we have to get our mindset right. You know, I saw a post the other day and I, I kind of, uh, it stuck in my head and, and I want to share it with you. It was, it was basically said, you know, times like this is like a sharp turn on a racetrack. Hmm. You'd be going really fast, but, but you know, you're coming up to a sharp turn and there's a few things you have to do. And the first thing is you hit the brakes, you pump the brakes, right? You don't, you're not going to do a turn, you know, full blast, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's a great way to go right off the right off the racetrack. Yeah, this is fast so, and furious. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so you want to, you want to pump the brakes and what does that mean in, in context here? That means like, you know, dump the fluff, right? Like cut some expenses, mm -hmm. um, you know, lean down, get, get lean and agile, right. And, and be ready for a turn, be ready for that pivot. Right. The second mm -hmm. one is you got to plot your line through that corner. You know, there's a lot of people coming into that corner. And so traffic's going to get a little bunched up and, and you're probably not going to be able to just hit the apex perfectly. You're going to, you're going to have to plot a line through that. And, and so you have to, you have to get a plan. You have to plot that path and, and look for the opening, right? Look for the opening, be willing to pivot. 
take a quick uh, little sidebar on this here is I'm reading a book right now called Range from David Epstein. And it's a really interesting look at uh, expert performance, happiness and career. Uh, and it's a very different take on it compared to like talent is overrated or outliers or grit. Um, I recommend reading both because I think there's takeaways from both. But one thing. Yeah, grit was excellent. Yeah. And this is a really interesting other side to that when he has a whole chapter called when grit goes too far. Really interesting. Um, and I do believe there's a balance uh, in a lot of things. But one thing that his research found was that people typically were happier after a pivot hmm. in their lives. And, and it was because they had better match quality based on more experience. So a lot of times, you know, I, like I would believe for me, and I don't regret it at all. I believe I had too much grit for too long doing what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And it kind of took a really rough situation to kind of get me out of that. And, and find something that I believe, that I found was a much better match. It was a much better fit for me, my skills, my desires, my interests, and, uh, and I'm much happier for it. And most people are the same. The problem is the fear of the unknown. It's the fear of making that pivot. Like, what if it's not as good? Well, you know, we're, we're humans and, and we, can, we can move around again. Like, we're not stuck. And, and so I would say things will get hard. Like, just because you make a pivot doesn't mean it's going to be easier necessarily, right? You're going to have hard times for sure, but also um, don't be afraid of a pivot if, if it's going to provide that opening and allow you to, to zoom forward. So hopefully you're, you're with me on the point here still is that you got to plot that line through, uh, through that, that jumbled up mess there. And, and then number three is you got to accelerate out of the curve, right? You got to put the gas pedal down. Um, right now is, and I believe this true of any economic uncertainty or general uncertainty is that, um, is that they're one of the greatest times for opportunity because when there's more problems, there's also more opportunities to fix them. And the the general tendency is for people to be like roly poly bugs, which I, I talked about this the other day on a mm. Facebook live. And apparently people call them all different sorts of things. I know them as roly poly bugs, or I think some people call them pill bugs. But anyways, they're the bugs that when you touch them as a kid, right? Or if you touch them as an adult too, but you see kids play with them all the time and they roll up in a little ball and roll around. It's like their defense yeah. mechanism. Mm-hmm. But anytime I've seen my kids play with them, or if I remember back when I was a kid playing with them and they did that, it didn't really save them. <laughs> they just got flipped <laughs> or smashed. It didn't, it didn't really work. And it might work against other insects, but it didn't work in the grand scheme of things. And I think a lot of people in times of uncertainty like this, they tend to be like those roly poly bugs and they just roll up in a little ball and hope that it all passes. Meanwhile, they're getting flicked around by the economy and, <laughs> uh, and, and everything else and, and ultimately probably smashed. That's the wrong approach. I believe this uh, this time in in these times you have to plot that path, and then you got to hit the accelerator. You got to you got to work harder. You've got to hone your skills even more. You've got to develop even better habits, and 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 use this time as a as a as a launching pad for the future, rather than cowering down and just you know being in worry and anxiety about what's going to happen. Like plot your path and then hit the accelerator. Um, so that's mindset wise, I think where people have to be, because you can, you can have all sorts of, you know, I can teach you all sorts of little tricks with social media or things like that, or even mm-hmm. pitch you on, on starting to use it. But if you don't have the correct, you know, I think mindset during these times, uh, a lot of people are going to be, uh, are not going to get the results they're looking for. Yeah, um, that's good. Yeah, that's good. You know, you mentioned mindset being the most important thing and how you can either look at this as you can either look at this and claim victory or you can look at this and claim victim. And I just did a little bit of research that in the last recession, now now this recession is 
way worse than the 2008-2009 recession. But maybe, maybe somebody listening has an idea. Here are some ideas that came out of the last, the last recession. WhatsApp, Venmo, Groupon, Instagram, Pinterest, Slack, and let me find one more, uh, Square, all of which I use on either a daily or a weekly basis. All these companies valued at, if not tens to hundreds of billions of dollars, all because there was somebody out there that in most of these, some of the stories behind these companies are incredible. Folks yeah. like me that were laid off that just had an idea that started doing some of the things that you were doing, right? Building building a personal brand, giving giving people, um, you know, adding value to people's lives, you know, making sure that they stayed in the right mindset just like you did. So what I would encourage everybody listening to do is 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 go back 10 minutes and listen to Clint's three-step process of, of making sure that your that your mindset is right. And the first thing that he mentioned was pumping the brakes. Conveniently enough for everybody listening, if you go back to episode seven of Tech Talks called Embracing a World Crisis, all the steps you need to pump the brakes during, during the coronavirus time is actually on episode seven. So you want to go check that out. Clint, you mentioned that you had an ebook. Where can people find that if they want to download it? Great question. So right now I'm in the midst of building this into an all-out digital course rather than just giving the ebook away uh, by itself. However, if you want information on that, I'm right now what I'm going to do because I'm building all that out as we're recording this mm-hmm. is go friend me on Facebook. Clint Fix. There's only two Clint Fixes on Facebook that I'm aware <laughs> of. Um, but mine, uh, I have a uh, picture with my wife in my profile picture, Caitlin, beautiful blonde. So go on there and, uh, and friend me up on there and hit me up on messenger. Say you listen to the podcast and, uh, we can start chatting there. I can, can get you on the list for when that comes out. And I'm going to have some other free resources available as well that I'll have available here very soon. Awesome. And you go live. How often? I go live every Wednesday night on my personal profile on Facebook. And I do from time to time, go live randomly outside of that. I also do a lot of long form posts uh, just because I love to write. And also my wife and I will be starting uh, to go live every Monday starting this next week. We'll go live together. We got a lot of feedback. People loving seeing a husband and wife on there Hmm. uh, doing things together. So we're going to be going live every Mondays, most likely midday around probably one mountain time. Now, we went through some amazing material that, that, that people can practically put into their life. But this, this last question, Clint, I got to be honest with you. This is the real reason I had you on the show. Everything else means nothing but this question. You ready for it? <laughs> I'm ready. If you, if you were a candy bar, what would you be and why? Yeah, um, the first one that came to mind immediately, although I don't think this is the one that I would be just because I like them is, um, paydays, you know, the ones that are, that are peanuts with, uh, oh, yeah. I don't even know what's in the middle of them. <laughs> like, I don't know it's, what's in most. It's caramel nougat. Yeah. The, oh, man, you're, you're, <laughs> you're, you know, your candy bars. Well, before uh, but, keto, I was a, I was a sugar addict, man. <laughs> um, I haven't had candy bars in a long time, but you know, the Snickers is the one that really sticks with me when you ask this question, because it's got a lot of different layers to it. It's a bit nutty. And I think I am as well. And, but it's also got the the chocolate. Everybody loves chocolate. So I'm nutty. I, tr- well, 
I don't know if everybody loves me. I've, I've created some enemies in my life, unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> but some people don't like Snickers either. And, and it's somewhat traditional. It's weird. Like it, 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 it's, it's nutty. It's, it's got the chocolate, but it's also kind of, uh, an original, um, traditional one as well. You know, as much as I love the reaching into new things and, and really being an early adopter and all sorts of new technology and things along those lines, I also, uh, tend to have a lot of, uh, traditional, um, foundations and, and things that I also still draw a lot of wisdom from and rely on. So, um, I don't know, I'll go with Snickers. I don't know if that's way too deep for your question, but I'm going with that one. So, uh, I, I hate mounds bars, but I would be a mounds bar because as the old commercial says, sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. (laughs) So it's kind of a similar, (laughs) that's a good one. The reason that I ask you this Clint is because back, back in the day, I don't know if you even knew this. I was a recruiter for a financial services company, which means I did like a hundred interviews a week and to, to break up the monotony of this, because you know, if you've ever been on a job interview, interviewing is a skill and you can, you can take proactive steps to prepare to have a good interview. Um, but what I would do is I would ask that question at the end of everybody's interview just to, because you can't prepare for somebody asking you a question like that. And it really, people really started to, to break down and like let themselves loose a little bit and have fun. And I actually started using that as a gauge for who I could see myself working with based on either how they reacted to the question being asked or the answer or the lack of answer itself. So I don't say that to say that that that's the most important question I would ask during an interview, but it's the most important question I asked to get to know about the person on the inside instead of just the person that they're presenting to me at the time. Right. I love it. I, I love, I love asked that hundreds and hundreds of times to people. What's, what's the most interesting answer you've gotten? The most interesting, actually it was that one, the mounds. And that's the reason why I adopted it. And it was so, <laughs> so I actually did not get that answer when interviewing for the financial uh, company. I got that interview when I got my own store with a major telecommunications firm and I had to hire 15 spots. And if you go into a regular telecommunications store, whether it's, you know, Sprint, T-Mobile, AT&T, whatever, there's mostly young people that work there. This guy came in and he had to be at least 75 years old. And he's oh, wanting wow. to work in this, in this millennial driven retail environment. And, you know, obviously the stereotypes go up, you know, he probably has a flip phone and all that stuff. But I asked him the question because I wanted to honor it. I've, I've done it for years now. And he really, really broke and told me that answer about the mounds. And then he went, he went deep on it. And we were to the point where we were laughing so hard. We were crying and I hired him <laughs> that day. I would hire somebody like that. Yeah. I like working around people that have fun. He ended up being one of the most phenomenal employees that I've ever had the opportunity to work with. That is awesome. And crushed the numbers against a lot of these millennial folks. That's incredible. I love hearing stories like that. <laughs> well, Clint, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you for being on Tech Talks. Thank you for giving us uh, valuable wisdom and for sharing some of your time. Everybody listening, I hope you got something out of it. And until next time, have a great day. This episode of Tech Talks has ended, but be sure to subscribe for upcoming inspiration. Don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to bring you transformative content. See you next time. Can we both record at the same time?
We can, uh, but it says, please request record permission from the meeting host. More. I know there's a way to do it. Oh, just here we go. Make, Allow make, make record. Calls. I had to give you permission. I'm in control here, boss. <laughs> For sure.